And for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. And for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. And for sure. For sure. Sure. For sure. And for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay. All right, so we're going to start off again with a topic that we we talked about last time. And it seems like, 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 like Charlie Brown getting ready, you know, lining up, getting ready to kick the football. It seems like this is something that we might have to talk about every episode. So... <laughs> We got some Department of Player Safety stuff going on, and so so basically two things have been happening. Number one, the the play of Calgary Flames forward Matthew Kachuk, he was suspended again for one game uh, because he he very clearly learned his lesson uh, a couple weeks ago when he uh, when he. It's called spearing, but obviously he he basically just tapped Luke Wikowski in the back of the leg. Um, but he you know he 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 went after a player who had been you know ejected from the game and was you know on his way off the ice. So basically starting stuff for no reason, and then. Uh, you know, he, he used his stick again to kind of poke at Matt Martin. But the problem was Matt Martin was on the ice and Matthew Kachuk was on the bench. And so he got suspended a game again. And there's a there's an article in Sportsnet that, that was up today, uh, dis- or December 9th. So yesterday, as we're recording this, that the Department of Player Safety intends to meet with him to discuss his recent suspensions. Jay, you know, we're going to talk about another incident, too, in a minute. But like, you know, so 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 what do you think about this? I mean, like I said, we, we I'm sorry, you know, we kind of been have been ranting a lot about the, you know, so, you know, we'll try not to kind of, you know, rehash everything. But, you know, you know, what about this example here? <laughs> well, first of all, folks, I know all of you can't really see it, but like it, it may have sounded like Pete was stumbling over his speech, but it was actually he was in the middle of trying to not draw his mounted saber on the wall ready to go out and forage into the wilderness to kill Kachuk himself because <laughs> uh, this is just I don't know I, I mean you'd, you'd have to think that the horse is now five feet underground due severely from the amount we've beaten it um, I I don't know man I, I think there's something to be said for people who can look at these incidents and actually make the right decisions and ensure that there are punishments in place to get them uh, the the proper uh, punishment, but um, uh, I, I, I what what's the word? Um, a, a bit of a problem child for Kachuk is that is I think that's fair, right? Like, <laughs> just like I, I don't know. It, it seems like he's getting suspended on like for different infractions. That's why the suspensions are too low. But like, isn't the Department of Public Safety supposed to have some sort of what's the word again? Oh yeah, like impartial judgment like kind of like how like judges can decide how to apply a certain law or a certain statute to certain situations because it's like oh well yeah he was suspended five times but they were for five completely different things it's like no that's called aberrant behavior that's what that's called a trend and so you're supposed to stop him yeah so uh, i i don't i, I w- again we already talked to the talked about the Witkowski stuff around uh, again it's just again it, I, I don't know when Again, the Witkowski thing, that's cut and dry. I understand that. I still think that they could have at least applied some sort of like judgment like, okay, well, 
How much harm did he really do? Do we really that like does this have to be one hundred percent automatic? You know, like maybe have some judgment call era in there to like maybe push it down to eight or seven or something. But like it just seemed it just makes it so much more egregious when the other person involved is willy nilly going out here, still committing infractions, but like he's only getting I won't even call these slaps on the wrist anymore, Pete. It's just like stern looks. Right? <laughs> just like, yeah. oh, Urgh, like how can I look at you harder? Urgh. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if, in the Swartzen article, they have a, a statistic here where, uh, you know, Kachuk was suspended for the third time, and he has played 104 games. You know, so I mean, you know, he, he's he's racking up quite the reputation already. And uh, there was also another article where uh, Nazem Kadri had some some words for Kachuk, uh, basically, you know, saying that he. You know, he kind of fell into the same thing where he was, uh, you know, he was doing similar behaviors uh, earlier in his career. And, you know, he, he's basically saying that, uh, you know, Kachuk needs to needs to cut it out before it gets too bad because, you know, Kadri is saying that's the that's a realization he came to. Although I, I do think that Kadri kind of still forgets that from time to time, uh, yeah. <laughs> several times a night. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean. I think if you want to go back to the the Breaking Bad philosophy, um, you know, there's there's a character that 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 talks about DBAA, and I think that I think that these all of these suspensions, like you said, they are for seemingly you know different infractions, but I think that you know basically he should be being suspended every time for that, which is uh, don't be a and then you know we'll say jerk. Uh, but it starts with A because this is a clean podcast. It's a family-friendly podcast. But you get the idea. And I mean, like you know, I mean that's what he's doing. He's going out there, and yes, I understand. You know, there, there you know, there, there has always been a place in the league, whether rightly or wrongly, for you know, for players that that uh, can annoy the other team. Um, you know, but if they're crossing the line into illegal play, I mean, that's something that the league has to has to really step down on. Uh, and speaking of speaking of players that have a reputation for being annoying, <laughs> Boston Bruins pest, which is probably the nicest thing he's ever been called, uh, Brad Marchand, he 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 was a little bit of a bad boy uh, on Saturday <laughs> night, and he went after uh, John Tavares and. Uh, I, I've seen the play. Jay has not. So I sent him the link uh, so that we can get his real-time reaction. And so, again, for our listeners, if you haven't seen this, you really need to to go and watch this. Um, so I'm not going to say anything more because I don't want to taint Jay's reaction. <laughs> All right, so, so, Jay, watch the video. Give us your real-time reaction here. Hey, kids. Jay from For Sure here. Cozy up on up uh, to your podcast, and uh, let's listen in as I react to Brad Marchand uh, being Brad Marchand again. So uh, as was previously stated, uh, Peter has only sent me the link. I'm literally just hearing about this. Um, I actually wake up every day with a daily affirmation. I'm good enough and I'm smart enough, and Brad Marchand has no place in this league. Uh, so it really shouldn't surprise me, but I'm I'm girding myself. So, so I've got the link here in front of me. Let me just go ahead and press play. All right, it's loading. Gotta love these uh, internet speeds. Uh, hashtag save net neutrality. Thank you. Okay, uh, so it says Brad Marchand was a mess, uh, ma- uh, assessed a major penalty for interference. Okay, so it's kind of fun to do a little bit of reading on this, real quick. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, let's see here. That's a shot there, and okay, what's going on here? I see a play developing, and then 
Okay. <laughs> you. Oh my! What is that? So, what are you trying to accomplish with that? Okay. As, as okay. So as best as I can describe it, folks, this is this is Marshand doing everything he possibly can to hit the head. Isn't the isn't the thing, Pete, where it's like you have to make a concerted effort to not make contact? Right. I think Marshand, like looking through the fog of his hockey visor. Read it as do everything you can to possibly hit someone in the head. Like, I don't even know. Like, I can't even like I, I'm, I actually I'm trying to justify if it's like he's trying to use his hands as some sort of ballast to like maybe throw him away <laughs> from Tavares. But that doesn't that doesn't work. This is. He's like, he's like I, I was actually trying to trying to push him out of the way to keep him from being hit in the head by a dirty player. Uh, that's actually what's happening because I mean because because if you haven't watched this again you, you have to really go watch this because it's just like with the Gudis hit from last or not even hit but the Gudis play the beheading play from last time it's like like you really have to see it um, you know words don't do it justice and Tavares didn't have the puck I mean the puck wasn't you know it, 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 I mean it was it was obviously an illegal pick uh, illegal play he he got a major penalty for interference he got you know five minute major and a game misconduct which obviously makes sense um but then today the department of player safety says that he will not have a hearing for this for this hit which the the only reason for this and and I don't agree with this reasoning the only potential reason that they that they could have made this decision is that Tavares fortunately was not hurt on the play although number one with head injuries we don't always know maybe he was yeah. hurt you know like like maybe we're gonna find out a couple days from now just like um in the Red Wings game where Mantha uh hit Flurry in the in the head with his knee like you know not on purpose but you know he he hit him in the head with his knee and then Flurry stays in for a while and then he doesn't play for the next 20 games you know yep. so you know so number one Tavares could be injured on this um but you know like you said before it, it was Marshawn was doing everything possible to go out of his way to target John Tavares's head. And <laughs> the fact that there's no, like, not even a hearing, like, it's just, it's just appalling. And I mean, you know, I, I don't want to spend the whole podcast just ranting about this because I definitely could. <laughs> right. But, oh, my God. It's so, it's so dumb. And here's the other thing I noticed, Pete, because uh, in reading this, and I feel like this is actually a, um, it's a, it's a subtle, unfortunate trend. And I think this is, again, another problem that the, I think the Department of Player Safety comes up here is um, so we're, the, this, uh, the article that Pete sent me was from Stanley Cup of Chowder. And so there's the video. And then the immediate following sentence after the video is, given Marshan's history of stepping over the line, as well as his status as a true repeat offender under the Department of Player Safety rules, we may see supplemental discipline forthcoming for the Bruins' second leading scorer. Pete, can you tell me what the problem is? is with that sentence huh. I'll just don't 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 even worry about it it's the part where they have to say or feel they say we may all right think about that the department of player safety is at a point where people can't really ever discern whether or not dis, dis, discipline will be handed down you see a play like that don't you think in an environment that's actually healthy and actually policing the game, you don't have to throw May out there? I feel like for a hit like that, it's like assuredly something has to happen. Yeah. Now, granted, this isn't as different as like saying like, oh, it was alleged that he pushed the kitten in front of the car or it was alleged he drank that milkshake. Like the the evidence is right there. Straight hit to the head. Like no act. Like I can't even fathom what accident 
excuse he could probably give like oh i saw a chocolate bar that way and i just had to be like guys get out of my way move and it's just oh i happened to hit his head are, are you There's saying no that uh, so it, like it's are you saying that marchand's straw reaches across the room <laughs> <laughs> and begins to drink See, that, that's, milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's right folks come for the hockey stay for the there will be blood references so <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, that's, that's an even deeper problem because now more people are just going to be writing about this stuff and be like, we might see it. We might not, who knows anymore. And that's bad. I think there's like, if we're going to be, if you're going to be covering the game, you need to have at least have some sort of fundamental solid understanding of, you know, looking at a play and actually having a reasonable expectation of what will result from it. And this just seems pretty cut and dry to me. I know there's been tons of gray area hits throughout the years. And, yes, that's what the player safety is for. You're supposed to look at those gray area hits. But this is, like, when you watch it, you're going to see that that Marchand's forearm hits him and then his left hand hits him, too. So, like, granted, it's not, like, two successive blows. But, like, it's a compounded hit where it's like he gets hit on one side and then it's followed up with something else. So, like, again, you'll watch it. You're going to make your own decision yourself. But my opinion, Pete, is that this... I want five games. Hmm. I want five games. Minimum. That's me. Looking at this hit, I think that's five games because you need to you need to put your foot down. But I think he's, what, going to get one, maybe two. And then you're going to be in another situation like last year where if he's on – where he almost was on the winning team from the NHL 3-on-3 challenge. And if he won – whatever share that million dollars you get would have completely wiped out the financial discipline that's us handed down with this type of stuff. So he's getting away with it, Peter. That's what it feels like. He's getting away with it and nothing's being done. So no, I mean, I don't like, I mean the, the tweet from Arthur Staples says no hearing schedule for Brad Marchand. So he's not going to even get a game. Well, or I mean, is there a possibility that he's going to get no hearing because they've decided it's going to be, I um, know, uh, like I, already something egregious. Nope. See, like that's that's okay. That's my outlandish hope right here. The reason they didn't call a hearing is because Marchand, there's no longer reasoning with you. We're just going to be handing out discipline now. Like there's no reason to actually talk to you. There's enough evidence on the table here to see that you're obviously going to try and push the limits of whether or not we're going to be able to have you around. So we're not even going to talk to you anymore. We're just going to look at the plays, let them speak for themselves, and hand out discipline accordingly. Otherwise. If he's not going to get anything there, Peter, then what are we even doing this for? (laughs) (laughs) All right, cancel the podcast. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yep, 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 we're done. Shut it down. So you know, so so uh, now that we have we have talked about our uh, our weekly or biweekly uh, rants against the Department of Player Safety, let's talk about our biweekly reference to video games. All right, so uh, Jay, Jay Jay has told me that he has uh, he has played a new hockey video game, and uh, he has a he has a quick review. <laughs> That's right, Pete. This last week, I had the fortune of going to a new bar here in Detroit after a uh, company outing. A new place called Ready Player One. It's a basement arcade bar. And uh, with prime placement from when you enter the bar, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by the year 1995, Midway's NHL 2-on-2 Open Ice Challenge. Oh, boy, 2-on-2. 2-on-2. Now, Pete, you ever sit awake at night sweating, wondering why they never made a hockey equivalent of NBA Jam? Well, guess what? They they did. Every night I stayed up thinking, why didn't they do that? But they actually did it. They actually did it. And I, when you're talking about trying to mimic or emulate certain successful aspects of video games, 
because NBA Jam is in, basically in a league all of its own. Um, like, I, I don't know. I don't. I have yet to see any other direct translation of one video game set to another sport, which, again, these are fundamentally two different sports in terms of just logistics. Like, there's no such thing as two-on-two hockey. <laughs> like, there's two-on-two basketball, because obviously there's no goalie and whatnot. But um, So I, I, I saw this and immediately caught my eye, because first of all, it's from 1995, which means it's got the original orange slash red. Sorry, I'm colorblind. I forget what it is anyway. Uh, NHL Shield. I love that logo. It's great. It's classic. Um, and obviously, since it's an arcade game, right, it's always got that demo mode going, showing you some action. I'm looking at this, and this thing is pretty for the era that it came out. Like, the, the, pix, the, like the pixel ratio is pretty great. Um, so for those who aren't mostly in the know, just to give you a quick background for it, um, it was released in uh, in 1995 uh, by Midway Games. Midway, famous for uh, the little-known uh, fight year series that uh, m- maybe actually nobody played, called Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it it was it's really awesome, and and it's really hard to put into words like the the wormhole I went into when when i play this game because it is it is nba jam on ice you pick it you can pick uh so every every team has four players and you can rotate which one it's at the time the top four players so uh and then the goalie is just whatever who was your number one at the time and you said this is uh, the announcer yeah 1995 so just everybody hop and put in your brain caps set your way back machines and think about the top four players of every team back in 1995. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty stellar. And, uh, I, uh, was kind of riding a, a, a hot streak of some other arcade games as of late. So I was like, you yeah, know, maybe my luck will translate to this and guess what it did. <laughs> First of all, Eiserman and Fedorov backed by Vernon, I, you know, there's, what is it, those those video games where they're like, you can't play as this person. Kind of like back in 94, like, you can't play as Ronick, or if you play as Ronick, you can't do the automatic scoring thing. Yeah, like, I feel like, like the rules should be you can't job. Red Wings. Oh, yeah, yeah, there, no slap, no chops, nothing. Um, so this, uh, this is a phenomenal video game that completely snuck up on me. I had no idea about its existence, um, and I lived through the era in which it was supposed to be popular. So... Uh, Pete, I, I would love the next time that you're in town for us to actually go to this place and play it ourselves because, again, you and I being NHL 18 enthusiasts, we're big fans of hockey video games. But if there's ever been like a Shangri-La moment for me to find a game, a diamond in the rough, as it were, this was it. So yeah. for all you folks out there who don't know or don't know how to get this game, find a way. <laughs> I can only tell you that there's one located here in Detroit. Anywhere else... It's it's Mad Max. You got to find it on your own way. It was released on PlayStation, the first one in 1996, and it was also on PC. Uh, they released it in 1997. So, you know, I might be way way behind to this, Pete. Mm. For all we know, NHL Open Ice had its day in the sun, and I completely missed it. But for me, this is it's the perfect trip down memory lane. There's nothing cooler than scoring seven goals. When the goal is on fire because Sergei Fedorov just scored five goals, 
and his turbo is unlimited, <laughs> and you're just embarrassing the video game version of Patrick Waugh. It's great. So that's my review uh, slash challenge to all of you. Find it somewhere. Find it at your local GameStop or your used video game thing. Um, it's just outstanding. And I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. The chance to play as Wayne Gretzky in a video game while he's wearing a king sweater, I don't know any other time that's been, that's been possible. What Wayne Gretzky hockey 3D? But wasn't he with the Rangers at that point, right? So like this is a very unique singular like singular moment because like it was probably just before he got traded to the Blues, and then you know Gretzky had it, and then he lost it. Eiserman shoots scores. So that's that's the NHL two on two open ice challenge, folks. Learn it, know it, love it. <laughs> and you know what's funny is is while you were describing this, I think I do think I remember this game. Um, I'm guessing maybe in uh, I don't know maybe I maybe I got a chance to play the arcade version when I was younger. I I do I do have a memory of this game, um, so it'll be interesting to see if if it's an actual memory or if it's uh, like the equivalent <laughs> of uh, you know the people that said that there was a. Uh, uh, what was it? Shazam starring Sinbad. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah. if you and, don't know what I'm then, talking uh, about, look or it up. The Berenstein or the Berenstein. Yes, the Berenstein or the Berenstein Bears. That's another one too. All right. So our our last segment before our interview today with uh, with Columbus writer uh, Allison Lucan is about a uh, an interesting development in the NHL uh, for for one of the one of the teams that is. I would say is a lesson in contradictions because they have <laughs> the maybe the most exciting player in the NHL and they are the least exciting team in the NHL. I am, of course, talking about the Ottawa Senators, who are uh, who this week, their management it took a page from uh, Tobias Funke and announced, yeah. oh, my God, we're having a fire sale. And <laughs> so they are. Uh, reportedly, they have asked all of their players that have no trade clauses for their no trade lists. So, you know, as as you probably know, most most players with no trade clauses have some type of a list where, you know, either they can request, you know, 10 teams to not be traded to or 10 teams to be traded to or something like that. Um and so Ottawa has asked all of their players with no trade clauses to submit their lists, including Captain Eric Carlson. Now, many people are, are, are really quick to point out that this doesn't mean that the Senators are looking to trade Carlson. However, last week, Carlson had an interview. Uh, Carlson and, da- and Drew Doughty, who's another uh, free, you know, potential free agent uh, next offseason, not this coming offseason, but the 2019 offseason. And both of them basically said, look, we're going to get paid. You know, we are going to uh, we are going to give the Brinks truck driver directions to our house and we are going to be waiting for them to back up a trunk full of mo- a truck full of money and to dump it on our lawns. And it better be a lot of money. And it sounds like they are not going to do what Connor McDavid did and take less money um, to, quote unquote, help the team. So so, Jay, what do you think about this? Do you think there's any chance, number one, that um, 
the senators trade Carlson or to the, the you know, most most of the time we have these type, these really high profile free agents. It's very, very rare for them to actually change teams. So w- what's your take on this? What do you think? My take is I welcome our new insect. I, for one, welcome our new insect trade overlords. That's <laughs> I am so done with the random moments of loyalty or um or or like feigned uh like oh listen just you know for the team for the team it's like you're not running the team well why would i do that <laughs> right so uh i'm i'm of the mind that uh i mean do i want carlson and dowdy to like do a Suter and Parise thing? No, absolutely not. I think that'd be obnoxious. But if they were going to do it, I know one team in particular I'd prefer they do it for. <laughs> but that's a different story altogether. Um, I, first of all, I don't, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of any of these players. Um, like, how interesting must that situation be where they're like, okay, Christmas is coming up here. You know, I think you've been a pretty good boy this year. Why don't you go ahead and give me a list of all the teams you'd rather play for? It's like, wait, what? All right, or like, oh, yeah. hey, you know, like, you've been a bad boy, and you might not have a place here, so, you know, we're going to give you a chance to say maybe 10 teams you don't want to go to? It's it's bizarre. Yeah, and then, and then the next day they get a... Uh, you know, they have to have a second meeting and they're like, OK, look, you guys can't put Toronto 10 times. OK, you need to, uh, <laughs> you know, we can't trade all of you to Toronto. Um, maybe Edmonton. Maybe maybe we can get a, a really good player back for you. Um, you know, <laughs> or why, uh, not, why not Chiarelli? <laughs> <laughs> well, the other funny thing is they, like one guy puts down Toronto 10 times, but then they have to look across the room and say, CC, you can't just spell out Toronto now exclamation point because that's ten letters and a and an exclamation. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we know we know, all right? Just give it a break. So I don't know. here's the thing I think would be really fun to happen. If if Ottawa asked all of those players on the same day to do that, all those players decided to go out to eat together and they all just went to Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> or or Boston Pizza and just like over like they draft themselves their own teams like think of it like yeah. a like like a like a fantasy hockey draft but they decide to pick each other's teams like all right who do you not want to play for okay i'll put that down okay who would you actually like to play for okay i'll put that down there there seems to be some smoke around this this uh this suggestion that yeah. eric carlson could actually maybe end up being traded this season because apparently the um uh, the the senator's owner uh, Eugene Melnick was very uh, or not very upset, but apparently he was he was definitely upset with Carlson's comments um, about you know not taking a discount. And I mean, to me, it seems like that's kind of a. I mean, if you're if you're him and you know we are not going to be able to afford to keep him, then as dumb as it sounds, I mean, like if you're going to do it, you then, you know, if you traded him now, you're probably going to get a bigger return than if you traded him down the road, because, you know, he still does have an extra season, you know, so you're trading him as like maybe a rental type 
player for this year's playoffs, but then you get him all next year too. And then obviously if you are the yep. team that he's playing for, you, you you have a huge advantage in trying to negotiate, you know, a long, you know, a long-term contract for him to keep him with you. So I, in the past, I would have been shocked to see this, but I'm, you know, if, if I, if I turn on the computer and I see Eric Carlson traded, I'm really not going to be too surprised. Um, at the same time, like I do think that the most likely thing is he stays in Ottawa, uh, at least through through the season. But um, we'll see. I would like to set the world on fire. I think there uh, wouldn't it be cool if teams were forced to make <laughs> every trade dynamic that comes up. Like you have to trade one of your veterans, <laughs> or you have to like like just to make the day even more interesting because. I know. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like trade days haven't been interesting in the past. I mean, we've been. I think we've been fortunate enough to actually live within the last the last three decades in 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 the shadow of some pretty big trade trade deadline day deals. So, like, I, I won't be too upset if we don't get one. But when it comes to Carlson, dude, like we're talking this. It's the same old story. Face of the franchise. You know what? Like, what do you think of when you think Senators hockey? It's just he's he's ingrained himself, and I think that's for the most part what most people tap into when they're like, "Oh, it's you hardly see players switching teams." But like, if the league just becomes like, "Hey, where do you want to go to be competitive?" Like, can you really blame him for leaving? Like, really? Like, it, I, I I struggle to think of. I mean, how do you think Duchesne feels? Right? Yeah, I'm free. Wait, <laughs> what's happening here? Why is everybody leaving? Am I? I'm a monster. <laughs> we're gonna keep the we're we're gonna keep the rest of development uh, references going pretty yeah. strong today. So, yeah, I I'm I am I am more excited every day at the growing possibility of Carlson leaving because maybe actually leaving will shut everybody up. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> People are like oh da 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 yeah, but finally happened. So now we can have like. A new cycle of every of you know, it's what, what is it? I want I want a Harvey Dent from the Dark Knight thing. Oh yeah, the the big guys will make bail sure, but the lower guys they can't think of all you can do with eighteen months of clean streets. <laughs> That's what I want from the NHL right now. <laughs> like no more of these random looming. Oh, they might trade one of the biggest names in the in the game. Just do it already, and then just stay, you know shore up your your stuff work on getting seattle off the ground that's my that's my want that's my christmas wish so or christmas wish depending upon if i can say words correctly so Our, our guest today is Allison Lucan. She writes uh, about the Blue Jackets for the Athletic Cleveland, uh, and she's also covered the team exclusively for Fox Sports Ohio and the official team website. Allison, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you, guys. I'm thrilled to be on the show. Yeah, so I... Whoa, oh, sorry. Thrilled. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay, I, all right. <laughs> well, our reputation precedes us. Woo. Peter, let's not, let's not screw this right, don't up. Screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Okay. Uh, um, so, so Allison, you are, you're one of the first guests that we've had on, on the show that I've actually met in real life. Uh, we got to meet at the Rochester 
Institute of Technology Hockey Analytics Conference. And if, if, if we refer back to it, we will call it RIT Hack, just so you know. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, so we got to meet there. It was, it was a lot of fun. And so I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, one of the, you know, this, this series that you wrote about analytics. And obviously, I don't, you know, uh, we, we hope our readers will go read it for themselves so you don't have to give everything away. But uh, basically, sure. Allison wrote a series for the, uh, for the Athletic Cleveland about uh, basically how the the analytics department at uh, for Columbus works. And then this, the second one is about like how the coaches use the information. And then the third one is about how the players do. So is it, like, you know, what are a couple of things you found really fascinating about, you know, the reporting for that series? Yeah. I, well, I think the, the first and biggest thing I found was just how willing everyone was to talk about it. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. the, the funny story is we were, I was actually talking to Nick Foligno um, before a game and we were talking about how he's kind of doing, he had been playing center, which isn't uh, where he usually plays and just randomly throw away comment. He says, yeah, I look at our possession stats to help gauge if I'm playing in the right areas. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so um, from there, you know, I just asked, um, if some of the hockey operations team would be willing to talk to me, they said yes. And the, I think that was probably one of the other big things that I really appreciated and that I liked learning was I've heard from a lot of people. I can't believe they said all that stuff to you. I can't believe they said all that stuff. And, you know, Josh Flynn, who's the director of administration for the jackets who leads their analytics team said, you know, I don't mind sharing how we get data and what actual numbers we look at because it's not, the data that gives you the advantage. It's how you use the data and the questions you ask of the data that give you the competitive edge. So I thought that was probably one of the most interesting things. And my biggest and proudest moment of the whole series was getting the actual one analytic that John Tortorella looks at every game. I thought that was huge. So that was pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have on my list of lists of things to talk about uh, John Tortorella for, for a couple of reasons, but um, <laughs> Everyone no, no. does <laughs> because uh, you know, like uh, a, a couple episodes ago, we had uh, Craig Custance on who wrote a book about coaches. Yeah, and for Great me, book. yeah, for me, like one of the things that I I thought about the book, like the the most enlightening thing was the section on Tortorella because you know he obviously for you know for valid reasons you know had a reputation of you know uh, you know legendary kind of blow ups at the media and then uh, you know he I think he tried to fight an entire team once and <laughs> you know like I, I really appreciate in the book how he was a lot more he, you know he was very reflective on what he had done in the past and it also seemed in the book that you know he he's definitely open to using these statistics um, you know a lot more than I would have expected uh, so you know, I, I guess the question I want to ask is like, you know, knowing his reputation, like what, what have you found to be uh, either the most interesting thing or like maybe the, the thing you might not have expected about, you know, covering Tortorella? Yeah. And I will, I, you set me up perfectly to say, watch for an interesting piece on kind of Tortorella's whole outlook on analytics versus kind of the stereotype coming here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, um, but uh I think it was funny when he was brought into Columbus, I was actually on a plane and I was on the plane Wi-Fi and my iPad just started blowing up with direct messages and texts like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you're going to have to work with John Tortorella. <laughs> and I I think that the thing that I have learned is that he's actually tremendous to work with. I mean, you can t listen to that guy talk for two or three minutes and there's like five different stories you want to write. He's mm -hmm. just brutally honest, no cliches, no trite answers. 
Um, and he is just fascinating to talk to and learn from in terms of how he views how one should coach and what the role of a coach is with a team. I just think he's a fascinating individual. And I think he's been great for the jackets. He, you already said, you know, there's been some incidences that have rightly earned him his reputation, but there is something about what the blue jackets needed and where torts is right now. And not just his career, but I think a little bit of his own redemption tour that (laughs) um, it's, it's a perfect fit and it's, it's obviously working. Yeah, um, in that episode that we were talking to Custance about about Tortorella, uh, I mean, for the most part, I've been able to follow him, um, you know, through the tirades and and <laughs> also through um, you know his stuff. I mean, again, my I think his his cup win with with Tampa is like it's just one of my I hate that I have to say this way one of my favorite lightning in a bottle moments for a team, <laughs> yeah. right? Because yeah, like you just have a collection of people who haven't been able to do anything for a while. Like like Andrew Chuck, he's, you know, he's just been everywhere, and he's finally on the team. And and Martin St. Louis just in the middle of Martin St. Louis everything, and <laughs> and then and then Tortorella is there to just like he's, I don't know, it's like he's just the mad scientist who's just like pouring every, everything into the bucket and like let's do it, let's just do this, just win, like let's go yep. and. Yep. So like watching that from a fan perspective, it's it's like it's exhilarating. And then I was just thinking to myself, like, if that's what it is when I don't work with him, what on <laughs> what on earth can this experience can this person be like on the inside? And I'm actually really quite tickled to learn that it's like it's almost like it's a facade, like everything you see that gets drained. I mean, yes, I know there's already like a bunch of opinions about how like most of the time sports media portrays certain people, but like in talking with cousins and stuff, it's like he makes a really good point. Like when you're like all those times that you're talking to Tortorella, it's seconds he's off the bench after a loss. Seconds, mm-hmm. like right, like I like if I spill coffee on myself in the car and I get out and already <laughs> right. somebody's hounding me for the t- for the new cover sheets for the TPS reports, right? Like I'm gonna be a little agitated. Like maybe give me a sec, let me think about my day, and right. then let's talk. So like you know, I think for the most part he kind of does get a bum rap, but. Um, but I'm really glad to hear all this awesome stuff about Tortorella and, um, like, I don't know, I I guess my question for you is like, when you're, when you're dealing with, um, a a team like, like Columbus, where like, I don't know, like as a Red Wings fan, (laughs) as as a Red Wings fan, like we had your number for like the longest time and and then, and then, and then and then Fedorov played for you guys for a couple years. It was just really weird. And 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 so my real question is like Columbus is relevant now. And and right. and, and and it's actually kind of awesome. And it's it's <laughs> it's weird to like root for your guys because I I you know have seen you just come into the building and people will be like, Yep, there's another easy two points for us to chuck yep. in the win column. Yep. But you know, I, I again I'm I really enjoy players on your team. You know, like Dubinsky and Wierenski and Seth Jones and stuff, and like these are, like it, it's great to say that you guys are a hockey team now. So, like in in your opinion, like is there, and, and I know this, you know, you can take however long or short you need this, and, I, and it's and it's a dumb it's a dumb cliche answer uh, question anyway. But like, what do you think is most responsible for that? Is it was it from? First of all, I just love how is is Kika Linen still the GM? Is he still he involved? Okay. Yep. Yep. Yarmo Kikalainen, like, okay. You st- so I would like my my answer is, 
the coolest name in all of sport. That's why the, <laughs> that's why the Blue Jackets turn around. But I'm sure there's a different reason. So, in your opinion, what would you attribute the most success for Columbus to be where they are now? Gosh, that's a I, I could probably talk about that for way too long. Um, Longer than think, it took me to ask that question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but I think it's um. I think that it's a couple key things and it, it started from, I actually think it goes way back to the previous GM, Scott Housen, um, who executed the Rick Nash trade with the Rangers, which in hindsight brought Dubinsky here. Um, and what, what doesn't get talked about a lot that I think is fascinating is that when Brandon Dubinsky was traded to Columbus from the Rangers, he showed up in Columbus the very next day, dressed to the nines ready to go. And that is what this city and this fan base needed. So, so it kind of started to change the perspective of what was happening in Columbus. Um, Cause remember this was on the heels of the Jeff Carter debacle and just years and years and years of losing, particularly to the Red Wings. And um, so, so we started to see a little bit of a culture shift. And then one of the things that the organization really needed was respectability among the league. And so they brought in first John Davidson, um, who's the president of hockey operations. And it just, his, his name and his experience gave the organization some street cred, right? So yep. when you're talking about, I want to approach another organization about a trade, or I want to talk to a free agent about coming here, or I want to know what the organization is all about, or I, I'm an agent coming to you to negotiate a contract. This isn't the guy you can just pull the wool over his eyes. He's been there. He's seen it. He's done it. That was really key. Then he brings in Yarmo, like you mentioned, who's known for his scouting prowess and his talent evaluation. Um, who brought in guys like Wierenski, like Oliver Bjorkstrand. Um, it's like even Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, look at that pick last year, derided, derided, derided. And now look at Dubois right now compared to Puyu Yarvi, who no disrespect to Puyu Yarvi, but in hindsight, Yarmo made the exact right move for his organization, even though everyone thought it was ridiculous. So you had some people giving the jacket some credibility and starting to build up the talent coffers, but the team still wasn't winning. And, you know, there were a couple years that were really frustrating because first there was a year called the broken year. <laughs> we all call it that because <laughs> literally every player had like massive. Well, first, let me back up a little bit. So 13, 14, they finagle their way into the playoffs. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, look at this team. They're amazing. And then the next year is the broken year where every major player. Sergei Bobrovsky tears up his groin. Boone Jenner breaks his hand and then literally breaks his back. Like ev every day you would go into practice and I swear you would come in and just watch your phone for the release to come out about who's going on IR. Like it was oh literally every day. Yeah. So we had that. And then there was the next year where we're like, okay, now the team's going to be good. And that was the really disastrous year where they started out. zero and eight Todd Richards gets fired and torts comes in and you know, it's, I'll probably talk a little bit more about torts, but I don't want to say that's the main ingredient. These other pieces that kind of led up to it were huge. Torts came in and basically gave that last piece of the puzzle because you had credibility and strong things happening at the hockey ops level and at the scouting and drafting level, but it wasn't reaching the room. It wasn't reaching the guys. And torts basically came in and said, can we, can we cuss on this show? I don't know. <laughs> or no <laughs> no I'm for, yeah okay yeah we, we, we don't said, have the explicit rating unfortunately he said cut the bs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that um and basically set a new standard for these guys and his first year wasn't fun i mean it was still really bad um 
But I think he was, sh- in terms of how the team performed on the ice, but I think that he started to show then at the player level, guys, here's how it has to be. Just because you're good, just because you have a nice contract, just because you're in the NHL, doesn't mean you can win. And he really started to change that. And he brought in that brutal honesty where it was like, if, if I think you stink, I'm going to call you out in front of the team. And if I think you stink, I'm going to tell the media. After I've talked to you, he never calls out a player who he hasn't already said the exact same things to one-on-one or in front of the team. But he is a no-bones-about-it guy. And so I think that was the final step in really banging home this message of what does a winning culture take and what does it look like? And how hard do you have to work to actually become a winner? Because this team was very young. And they never had found the right combination of veteran leadership that could really propel these guys to take it to the next level. So in a nutshell, <laughs> that I think is what happened to the Jackets. And it took a long, long time. But it's, it's funny now. I mean, the Jackets are first in the Metro, I think, still today. And they're hovering around six, seven, eight in the league. And Jackets fans are not happy <laughs> because the team, isn't, <laughs> the team isn't winning the way they want. There's some guys who need to get going who haven't been scoring. And you know, my colleagues and I uh, in the media room, we, we almost laugh, those of us who've been around, because we're like, who would have thought <laughs> two or three years ago that that if you told the fans two or three years ago that this would be their record, this is where they'd be in the standings, and everyone had been like, oh my gosh, we would have a parade, and now <laughs> the expectations at the fan level is changing. So it's, it's pretty cool to watch the whole thing progress. It's been very interesting to be around. It's, it's made those harder years a lot more worth it now. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it, like, like last year I was, uh, I was kind of with Columbus the same way I, I'm with, uh, with Vegas this year, although not to the mm-hmm. same degree. Um, whereas like, like my, my dumb joke is that basically if it's the last week of the season and Vegas is in a playoff position by 20 points, I'm still going to think they're going to miss the playoffs. You know, so, <laughs> so last year I was like, okay, wait, I mean, Columbus can't be this good. You know, they, they can't be right, this good. Right. Um, and right. then, so again, like, you know, I, uh, you know, w- with the Metro being so strong, you know, I know the, you know, the positions have oh. kind of fluctuated, um, oh. you know, it, it's looking pretty clear that the Metro is probably going to have five teams. So I was taking a look at, at the, the, the Blue Jacket stats, you know, like you had said, some players, you know, aren't maybe producing as much. And the thing that I found interesting is that, you know, for a team that's top in the Metro, which is, you know, considered one of the, you know, probably the best division, you know, top to bottom, I think. The you know you have Panarin with twenty six points in thirty games, you know, and the next like basically everybody else is is at most like a half a point a game. Where you know right. you'd expect you know you'd expect to see some some players with higher stats there. So how much of this is is just Bobrovsky standing on his head? Uh, you know, I mean, are are they just kind of spreading the scoring around, or like you know, is there like like what's going on uh, in that regard? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, and I I, I totally get it because I think Bobrovsky has been the proper and easy narrative for this team for for quite some time, um, even last year quite a bit. But um, this year, it's I mean Bob is excellent. I will never take anything away from what Bob does, but they're not relying on Bob, in my opinion, more than any good team relies on an excellent goalie in net. Um, What's happening, though, is very strange, and this is kind of why I was saying like fans are not happy, is that so you're not seeing scoring from the guys that you expect to see scoring from. Cam Atkinson, the 30-goal producer last guy, last year, has six goals. 
Um, Nick Foligno has six goals. Brandon Dubinsky was the last Jackets player who was on opening night roster to get a goal. Um, Alexander Wenberg has openly admitted to struggling. Mm. So the core players just aren't producing. And, and where you're seeing production is this crazy line that's emerged as the first line for right now, which is Panarin, Josh Anderson, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And it was funny last night. I the the team played last night, and Josh scored the the only goal of the night. And I I tweeted out. I said Josh Anderson scores his his team leading eleventh goal. <laughs> and I got so many comments back, just like you said, like that's a really low goal total yeah. <laughs> for a team for a team leader. Um, but and, and they're right. But I mean, I think what's really interesting to me is so the power play is horrible right now. They just can't find a way to score. They're last in the league right now. And if you remember, this is a power play that was tops in the league last year. And literally, like, the second unit never got any work because the first <laughs> unit would go out and score within, no joke, 15 to 20 seconds. It was insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they started to struggle the last half of last season, and they just can't seem to find a way to make it work. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and so when you look at these top performers, I mean, of course, a power play is important in general. We know this. But if you take out how many power play goals these top performers had last year. They actually had slow starts last year too. I think Nick uh, Felino went 11 games without um, a goal. If you take out the power play, Cam Atkinson went like nine. I think it was, there's some crazy number. Wenberg, I think went like 16. So the power play is, is a big part of it, but that doesn't at the same time, that doesn't make hockey sense, right? Like these guys should still be able to score. Um, so it's, it's a strange, strange team. The, the scoring is, to, to your point, distributed around a bunch of, around against a bunch of guys. But the top guys really need to step up, and that power play needs to get going. Because as we all know, if you don't have special teams going in the postseason, you, you're, you're not going far. Well, I mean, we just need playoff refs to call penalties then, then well, we can be then. <laughs> well, the jack, jackets actually don't want penalties at like literally at this point you, you put out there you're like the jacks go on the power play and like people are like can we decline can we decline can we decline <laughs> we, we 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 will defer to the third period we'd like to just start with the yeah penalty. exactly <laughs> exactly um okay so uh allison i think all these questions that we've done so far pretty much is warm-ups to the really big one which is for <laughs> god's sake how can we stop the cannon <laughs> like what 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 needs like what would can like can we can like pete and i can we like just like if, if we give you a replacement celebratory <laughs> invention would you be willing to be our insider to remove the like i i don't know i forget where i saw recently but someone posted it's a gif of john forsland yes <laughs> reacting to the cannon going off and it's like it's like somebody like tasered him or something so um, I mean, again, there's no real answer to that question, but um, I just figured. Well, I, I will tell you the best reaction, and it's still out there, I believe, is um, uh, the when the 2014 All-Star Game was in Columbus is they fired off the cannon during team introductions, and Johnny Gaudreau is on the ice, and he jumps like a scared little bunny rabbit. It is amazing. <laughs> um, no, I can't stop the cannon. The cannon is a gift, and you all should embrace it, and it's wonderful, and it'll never die. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, I, I mean, I had, again, in my book, it's, it's it, in my book, it's don't ask, don't get right. <laughs> so I'd rather exactly. make the ask than, than not know. Um, 
So, uh, but for but a real question I want to ask you, and, and again, this is just kind of a random checking in type question. Um, I followed Jack Johnson a lot during his collegiate career, and um, I actually had the the, the fun privilege of um, doing a couple music videos about him when he was at Michigan, and um, and then the whole fallout from his parents uh, yeah. getting a little frisky with his earnings and. Um, I'm. I, I guess, like in, in your, like, first of all, he scored the game winner against us in the shootout a couple of weeks ago, right? So, like, as, as far as like skill wise goes, I think it's still there. But like, is is Jack? How much is Jack Johnson a part of the success here, or like, what is your evaluation of him so far? Because, like, you know, I remember him when he was in L.A. and that was like kind of cool. But I feel like he's like starting to maybe you know, like kind of stand out a little bit more, but like not so much where people are like, Oh, Jack Johnson's back. Right. Right. No, it's, and, and you may have to share over those music videos. I might need to take a look at those, <laughs> pass those around. Um, Jack is such a curious case. Um, he's beloved in Columbus first and foremost, because um, he came to Columbus as from LA, as you mentioned uh, in the Jeff Carter trade. And again, for a fan base that was hungry for anyone who actually wanted to be here at that time, that was Jack. Um, so he's beloved by Blue Jackets fans. The The thing is, he's not really beloved by many others. Um, he, he fails a lot of the analytics tests. Um, for a while there, he was kind of the whipping boy for a lot of the analytics community. Um, so he doesn't stand up well when you look at the underlying numbers. Um, but he's a curious case because last year guys liked him or coaches liked him, I think in part because the guy could, I mean, I think you could probably play him for 60 minutes and he would play 60 minutes for 82 games just cause that's wow. just what he likes to do. Um, and he can, um, but last year he and David Savard, um, they had previously been the top pair here in Columbus and they got bumped down to the second pair by Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. And, they really flourished. They were exceptional. Um, they were really strong, not only offensively, but also defensively in terms of shot suppression. Um, everyone was thrilled with them. Their numbers reflected their improvement. It was such a strong campaign for them last year. Um, and honestly, those of us who do look at not just the game, but the underlying numbers, we were like, gosh, how did this happen? What did they change? It's great. But what happened? Um, this year, it's been a bit of a struggle again. Last night, actually, after the game, um, one of my colleagues asked towards how did David Savard and Jack Johnson do? And his answer was, OK. Um, he mm. scratched. He scratched. And this has been an ongoing theme this season. So please don't mistake that as like this the first time we're hearing that. But right, um, yeah. the, the, the two have struggled. Um, Torts's comments on the, the pair has been that they're, the game is too fast for them. Um, particularly in terms of how they're thinking the game. Um, his comment is he thinks Jack might be thinking too much on the ice right now. Um, it's also an interesting year for Jack, right? Because you mentioned some of his off-ice issues. And this is the final year of his contract. So the man is probably motivated to make sure he not only gets his next contract, but make sure it's it's a, as good as he can get, because unfortunately that's what his life dictates right now, that he needs that kind of support. And you know, that's stressful. Um, that was an issue that we saw here with Cam Atkinson of kind of the weight of waiting for a contract extension or not. Um, and, you know, is it, he might be stressed about it. I've not asked the player. I don't know if anyone else has asked the player if it's affecting him. Um, but who knows if he's going to be in Columbus after this year. Um, the, the coaching staff doesn't seem thrilled right now. 
um, they were kind of in danger of actually dropping down to the third pairing. Um, and then Ryan Murray, um, who was having a great year, uh, got injured a couple weeks ago. And so they've kind of reclaimed that second pairing role just in terms of the minutes they're playing. Um, but it, it's interesting. I mean, he's he's a workhorse. He's a dedicated guy. Like you mentioned, he has an offensive upside that I don't think gets enough respect. I mean, he's like got this incredible shootout record, which I don't mean to keep bringing it up, but he does. <laughs> right, um, yeah. And uh, it, it, he's just an interesting player. So I'll be curious to see if they can step it back up here. Um, when Murray gets healthy, where those two end up in the lineup, I think is going to be the clearest indicator of whether or not he's going to end up in Columbus long-term or not. I'm just not sure right now. Okay. That's fantastic. That's literally answered everything I was wondering. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, nicely done. Um, so uh, Pete and I have, uh, we'd like to call this the JJ question because okay. it's actually, it's basically our, 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 and it's actually a nice one to kind of wrap up on here because you, you are very knowledgeable um, about a great many things. And that's precisely the kind of the core of what this question is, is, as someone who has now immersed yourself in in covering hockey in talking hockey and stuff, um, how has that affected the way you enjoy hockey? Like, you know, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you started or I think most of us started as fans. Right. But then for the, those who are lucky enough to maybe parlay that energy and fandom into a career or a hobby to to understand it more, to become more engrossed with it, you know, I. I Real briefly, like as as uh, like I went to film school, so like I watch, I know I watch films differently, but I can still enjoy right. them. So, along right. the same lines, you know, like now that you're covering hockey at such a you know a close level, you know, do, is it is it more fun, less fun? Do you you know want to scream into a pillow because hockey's not the same <laughs> anymore? Or um, yeah, that that there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when I actually. Um first started getting paid to write about hockey, um, one of my colleagues warned, warned me and said, this might ruin your enjoyment of the game. Um, I, it hasn't for me, but it's definitely changed it. Um, you watch games differently because you have to be, it, I've been, I'm, I don't know if you guys have too, but there's been this, the same debate has been kind of going on on hockey Twitter of late, right? So you have to watch the game as impartially as possible because if you don't, you're going to miss something, yep. right? And so I think to reflect what's actually happening, you have to be impartial so that you're taking in every single thing that's happening. I think it's also important to really distance yourself from a fandom when you're in media because you're going to talk to these guys and you're going to have to ask them fun questions, but you're also going to have to ask them hard questions. And so you almost, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain, like they're not your friends, right? And you're not a fan. You don't want this nice little happy fan answer. You want the real answer and you yep. want them to have trust in that they can say what they're willing to say to you as openly as and honestly as they're willing to be. And so I think I mean, I, I, there's a lot of the guys who I feel like I have a really good working relationship with, but you have to realize too, they could all come and go within the next six months, right? I mean, that's the nature of the business. And so you distance yourself from it. You enjoy good hockey. Um, you know, as a, as a reporter, bad hockey almost becomes worse because you have to figure out a way to write about bad hockey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
like, I mean, there are some games when you're, when you have to write a recap and you're just like, how in the world am I going to write about this game? Because it's just bad hockey. So I think you enjoy, um, good hockey. I think you enjoy success. Um, and this might, I don't want this to sound self-centered, but you enjoy success because it gives you a way to enjoy the success in that you get to cover playoff games, which are completely different experiences than covering a regular season game, or you might get to cover an all-star game, which is a completely different experience. So you get to broaden your experience through the team's success. Um, but I do still like to watch other hockey and just sit and enjoy it. I find now that I mostly do that actually with college hockey um, because I'm kind of separate. There's no reason for me really to be like tracking anything or charting anything. Um, right. And I'll just, I'll just sit there and just have some fun with it. And you can get into the whole, it's the emotional attachment to a school and enjoy the traditions around that. So I still love to watch hockey, but if I'm working, um, it is definitely a very different experience. I don't know if I answered your question, but oh, I, I think you're right. I, I think for the I, I'm actually kind of glad because for the most part, people's answers have been like it like it's different, but like no one's said like I hate hockey now. <laughs> I right, wish right. I I never I wish I never wrote about hockey. I want to go back to covering my my triple E my you know my midget team. <laughs> right. So right. So yeah, no, you you answered that. Pretty much on average, so that's good. We're, we're glad. We're glad you still like hockey. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I definitely identified with at least part of that answer because I had the recap duty for the Red Wings' ten-one defeat to uh, oh. Montreal the other day, and I, I got to the I got to the end of the second, and um, I think by that point it was six six zero or something like that. And oh. I think like the, the last line because I because I I, I I write it as the game's happening. And yeah. you, know, I, you know, I can go back and make changes, but it's kind of like like my recap style is is pretty much like stream of consciousness, like as as things sure. are happening. And so I think at the end of the second period, I wrote like you know, let's see if you know Detroit can uh, you know come back. And then my third period was one word. It was just nope. Yeah, <laughs> because like <laughs> I really think that broke a part of my soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, so so Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, if we had more time, we could just talk for forever. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, down the road, we'll definitely have you back because uh, this was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed your perspective on Columbus and, and, and the league. And um, so just I, I want to make sure I get this out there. Obviously, like I said before, you can you can find her writing at The Athletic Cleveland. Um, and I've I've read a bunch of her articles. I obviously highly recommend them. But on Twitter, she's on Twitter at uh, Allison L. And that's A-L-I-S-O-N. L because there's a bunch of different ways to spell Allison. Uh, so I want to make sure. God people... love you. Good man. <laughs> yeah. I, I work with somebody who it's a L L Y S O N. I'm like, well, yes. I didn't even know yes. that was a possibility, but apparently it is. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Oh no. Thank you guys. It was, it was great meeting you when we did in Rochester and I'm just thrilled to, to be a part of the show and uh, good luck with everything. It's been fun to follow you guys along this season. All right, and we have one last segment for you today. This is hopefully a fun one. Uh, I, I I definitely like to listen to the the Puck Soup podcast, which I know is is hit or miss with some people. I know some people really like it, and some people can't stand it. Um, but I am one of the people that likes it. One of the things I love is when they the, the, they'll do like a game or a quiz 
And so, you know, we're not going to do this every episode, but I think from time to time, this would be a, a fun thing to do. So I put together a quiz for Jay, and this uh, this quiz is called Parks and Pucks. So, or you could call it Pucks and Recreation. I wasn't sure which one to go with, so I'll just throw, I'll throw, <laughs> throw both of them out there. And whichever one you like better, that's the name that we're going with. So basically what I did is I went through and I found... Uh, I found five relatively, I guess, relatively minor characters from Parks and Recreation, which um, if you've never seen the show, number one, you should, number one, you really need to maybe start with season two. Uh, if you start watching season one, like they didn't quite have the chemistry down. They didn't, you know, they needed some, they definitely needed to make, make some changes with the characters. But, you know, from season two on, it's 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 just one of the best runs of of comedy ever. And one of the reasons that it's such a great show is that they have all these little minor characters that are just so weird and they typically have these fantastic names. And so basically what this quiz is, is I have picked out um, I've picked out some Parks and Recreation characters, some some relatively minor ones. And I've also picked out some hockey player names from throughout the years that sound like they could be characters on Parks and Recreation. All right, so so Jay has to pick which one is which. Uh, now, Jay, are you are you a big Parks fan? I actually just finished uh, c- completed the series, so I've seen I've seen the whole series. But I'm actually pretty excited about this because um, I, I didn't really pay too much attention to the minor character names. I know that they exist, but uh, I, I think when you were texting me about this, um, I was really excited because I too enjoy awesome funny names so uh i mean i'm i'm ready i'm ready for this i'm yes i'm gonna dig deep i'm gonna see if i can actually get get some right here yeah so i tried i tried to to avoid you know your major i guess your major minor characters like you know your purd happily's your jean Jean ralphio's you know ones that i thought were just like be kind of too easy and also with the hockey names i you know, I mean, like there's there's some names who either they're Red Wings. So, like, I thought you might have a chance of, you know, just kind of knowing them like like Pear Juice. Right. Uh, and obviously, I tried to stay away from more modern character, you know, more modern players. So, yeah. you know, a lot of these these are pretty old. And I mean, you know, I've been paying attention to hockey since uh, uh, probably the late womb? 80s. Yeah, the, the like womb. the late 80s, probably. And, <laughs> and and some of these, I think I might have heard of their, their names, but I, I couldn't really remember. All right, so he, so here's the first one. All right, so okay. the first the first uh, person, you have to say if it is Parks or Pucks. Okay. Fred Saskamoose. Pucks. That is correct. He is the first Canadian Aboriginal player in the <laughs> NHL. He's the first... <laughs> First Nations player with a treaty status, um, and and he has the word moose in his last name, which is absolutely amazing. Wait, say it again. Say his name again. Fred Saskamoose. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I know what my firstborn's middle name is going to be. <laughs> okay, Craig Middlebrooks. Craig Middlebrooks, pucks. No, it is uh, uh, is the character that Billy Eichner played on Parks and Recreation. Oh, then all right, yeah, that's right. His Craig, I, but that, that's so weird because it's such a generic last name, and they yep. never call him by. Yeah. Okay. He, he's right. he's basically right. the uh, he's he's the Donna of Eagleton. Uh, yeah. When they had the merger, where he has to come in and do it. Okay. <laughs> yep. Right. Kelly Your Larson. Face is beautiful. I hate it, but it's not. <laughs> all right. 
right. Kelly Larson. Kelly Larson. Parks. Parks and Recreation. The character oh. played by Will Forte. Oh, God. He's a Pawnee resident who advocated for Leslie to include the Twilight novel in a time capsule. That's right. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Uh, all right. I'm one and two. All right. Here we go. Merlin Malinowski. That's definitely Pucks. Yes. Come on. <laughs> yes. like, I would have remembered throughout any of the seasons a character named Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me, that's, that's let me pull good. him up. I think he played for the Colorado Rockies. Oh, dear. Yes. Yes. He played for the Colorado Rockies. He played center. And he actually scored 165 points in 282 games. So, you know, he, it, a lot of these players are just kind of like one and done. Or, you know, they played a couple games here or there. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Paris Duffus. Paris Duffus. Parks? That is a hockey player. He played one game for the Phoenix Coyotes in 1996-1997. He is a goalie. That is his real name, Paris Duffus. That's so oh, pretty incredible, huh? Okay. Yeah, it is. I mean, Paris. That's And Duffus. I mean, uh, saved by Duffus. I'm just imagining just how much fun that would have been to say consistently throughout a giant career. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Now, now also, the, the, there's not necessarily the same number of each of these. All right. Just, you right. Know, um, okay. All right. The next one is Frank Beckerson. Parks. Yes. That's the character yes. that John Larroquette played. <laughs> that's he's, right. He's a man who in his youth had a passionate love affair with Leslie Nope's mother. That's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I, I, first of all, I, I, one, of, one of my all-time favorite SNL monologue moments is from John Larroquette because he 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 says his own name with such gusto and he's like I am John Larroquette mm-hmm. <laughs> so good all right fine okay all right SNL stuff aside next one hit me Pete DeCilio that is definitely Parks yes he was in three episodes uh Leslie uh, Leslie Nope had to secure his endorsement for city council. He is a local celebrity uh, who is remembered for uh, dunking a basketball in the Pawnee <laughs> Eagleton High School basketball game. And the reason I had to pick this one is because it reminds me of one of my favorite moments ever on the show, which is the like the culmination of one of these episodes where they're trying to get him to to come out and do it, and it takes place on a hockey rink. And the red carpet that Tom has gotten is way too, you know, way too short to make it to the stage. Uh, so the stage is set up way far away from the, the thing. And uh, basically they have to walk over the ice, you know, just wearing regular footwear. And the song that is playing is Get On Your Feet. And they, they keep falling and not being able to get up. And um, uh, April and Andy's dog starts peeing on Ron and it is just one of my favorite because <laughs> the song just keeps looping and they're on the ground they're on the ice and and he keeps hearing get on your feet if you haven't seen it, you, know, you have to just just go go google that if you haven't seen it yet all right uh let's see we got a couple more Frank McCool Frank McCool yep I'm gonna say pucks that is correct he is a yes! hockey player um this is going like I said. I think I've heard this name before. Anyway, he was a goalie, uh, and he won the 1945 Calder Trophy. Whoa! Yeah, he's a goalie back. for the Maple Leafs. 
Frank McCool, but it <laughs> does they... sound like he would fit right in in Pawnee, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. May the Leafs rest in peace. <laughs> okay. Lonnie Bohonos. Lonnie Bohonos? Yes. Parks. He was a hockey player. Oh, God. Lonnie Bohonos, he played for the Vancouver Canucks. Okay. And this one, it doesn't say when he played, but it looks like maybe, I want to say maybe 90s. Judging by the uniform. How many vowels are in that last name? Uh, One, two, three. B O H O N O S. It sounds like a slogan. <laughs> it's like, oh wait, isn't that one is Bonobos? That's like a like this they sponsor Bonobos. B O N O N H O S. All right, and so here's the last one. Okay. The last one is Carl Lorthner. Lorthner. Yep. Pucks. It is the character played by Andy Samberg, the park no! ranger and head of outdoor security for Pawnee. Come on. All right. And that is that is our first quiz. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, Jay, that that was really hard. Honestly, I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you if I did well on that quiz, Pete. So thank you for that. Thank you for shaming me in front of all of our listeners. Um, I guess I got to go back and watch rewatch Parks and Rec um, and, and, and learn all those names, because those are some really dis- deceptive hockey names hidden in that in that thing. And, you know, I I, I feel shame. So I, I'll do better. I will do better. Well, that, that, that's all you can ever. That's all you can ever try to do. <laughs> All right. So all that remains for this episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast is the Doc Emmerich uh, superlative of the week. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Pete, um, we've again, it was it was it was a, not, I won't say roller coaster week, but it was certainly had its twists and turns. You know, a little bit of double standards. You know, that's that's what happens when you're dealing with player safety and whatnot. So, um, when when we're talking about stuff like that, you got we really whipped this week. Yeah. <laughs> in the uh, uh, down in the corner, a bit of a scuffle, whips it along the boards, back to the point. Dowdy scores! <laughs> oh, through traffic! I always like when he says through traffic, and I just imagine what it would be like if Emmerich was actually directing traffic like, that way, go that way, drive that way. Cars, <laughs> trucks, <laughs> left turns. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, so thanks for listening to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. You can find me on Twitter at P Flynn Hockey. You can find Jay at the Roar underscore twenty four, and then you can find our podcast at two hundred foot pod. That's two zero zero F T P O D. So thanks a lot, and we hope you enjoy this. And we'll be back at you in two weeks for the next suspension of another player. Yay! <laughs> for sure. 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 For sure.